Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. I just want to, I just want to um, say something about what Julie said. Um, th- this money issue. Just, I, I just give you a, a, a little revelation here. W- when you fast, three days is a killer. First day is like declaring war on your appetites for life. Went round Andrew's place last week. And they had these burgers, man. I can still see them. They. <laughs> They were just passing, I'm trying to go to sleep and these burgers are just, like, it's supposed to be sheep, but I'm seeing burgers. And, and, and I just had to leave. I just, get, I, I mostly can hang around a meal, but those burgers were just killers. Whoever made those burgers should be illegal. And uh, <laughs> for people who are fasting. So the second day's a rough ride. Third day, ah, oh, Okay. We're in, strap in, we're going to do this, we're going to get through this. And then on the fourth day, praise God, grace kicks in and you've abated your natural desire to eat. Who likes eating? Most people do. So what happens, and I was just getting this as Julie was speaking, you, you push away and you, you cast down the appetite, ah, You cast down the appetite, your appetite that you pine for and are regulated, governed by, and you live by, and it literally governs you. You You'll just pull over, man. If you're hungry, I'm pulling over. Don't pull over now. I've got to pull over. That's that's my favorite takeaway. And and, and it's crazy stuff, but it it, it almost rules you, doesn't it? But when you fast, you push it away, and now your appetite is there. My appetite is in its right place. It's no longer controlling me. I could go on more days. I could probably go on for a 40-day fast if I really had to, if God permitted me to by grace. It's just like that. I think, I think, for the people at the back, in the middle, in the front, and to the side, to the side, I think, I presume this, that money can be the same thing, that we are so attached to it I've got to have it. I must have it. I can't let it go. I've seen guys eating those burgers, and don't get in the way of them, man. I've walked into a room, and there's a guy, could even be my son-in-law, Andrew, and he's eating one of those burgers, and I don't even, he doesn't even know me. He doesn't even know me. I'm going, hi, Andrew. That's what eating is like. That's what money can be like. Julie ran a dance school. 1988, she started. We thought we knew everyone in the church. It was a big church, 400 people. But when money was introduced to the equation of the parents needing to pay for their students, their kids, we realized, oh, my God. Uh, Actually, I don't know these people. (laughs) They don't want to pay $6. (laughs) They don't want to pay their... Now, $12, because they missed out on it last week. Now, they're arguing about it. And they're, 
go, oh, okay, so, so you learn that money can have a stranglehold and it can be an insatiable appetite and I must have it, it's mine. <laughs> it's mine, you're not getting it. But you know what? When you say to God, it's your money, Lord. It's yours. Sorry, Lord. I was down the back mowing my lawn. I was having a color bond moment. Wow, I really did build a great house. Got a long yard on the river. Looking back at the double-story, five-bedroom house with office, car park. I mean, garage and da-da-da-da-da, pool and... I built the thing. I mean, I didn't come easy. I've worked all my days, building weirs and dams and doing crazy stuff and nursing and juvenile justice. And but I created by sheer willpower and faith a home for my children. So when we started the church, Tom, I said, I'm gonna put this church into its own place not a dusty school hall started in the natural then the spiritual so of course I needed sponsors and participants but supporters of that crazy idea and that's you people and so we did. And that's what you are sitting in right now. People's sacrificial giving and offerings, prayers. That's us. Crazy Christians that give our funds to the Lord. And we quite happily do it. Because when you get to my age, you say, oh, I wish I could have given more. And when you get to 92, like I said about my dad, who said, life goes so quick. And he's wishing he had given more to his family and to other things. So if you need to fast and break that hole of that insatiable appetite for funds, please do. It'll work. Transform. I love this message. There's two ways. You got your Bibles? Please have a hard copy Bible. Please bring it. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto salvation. Let's do this. This is a pastoral message, and uh, I think we're going to be able to do this quite nicely this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We love your word, Lord. There are two elements for transformation. That's what I want to talk about this morning. See, see uh, the, 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 the slogan, if you would call it? The values, experience, transform, belong. There's two elements for transformation. Matthew 16, verse 13, NIV version. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, we've actually been there, Julie and I, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others 
say, Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail. Let me do a little adjustment here. Two greatest areas for transformation are contained in this scripture I just read. Two greatest elements, say elements, two greatest elements for transformation is the church and the cross. The church and the cross. So I want to take a fresh look at the view of the church this morning. And I, I was going to use the word high ideal. Now I went to the Webster's and it says something like this. An ideal is a model of something perfect or without equal as an adjective Ideal describes this ultimate standard for excellence or something that exists only as an idea. If you have high ideals, this is the Webster's telling me this. If you have high ideals, you have, a very, you have very strong beliefs about what is good and right and maybe even how best to save the world. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? The Webster's saying that. So I'm really concerned and I'm afraid that people are thinking in their minds that church is not as important as it was a generation ago. Can someone hear me? Everyone hear me? The church is something that you do or in, in, in something that you feel when it's convenient to go to. And so we have the internet. It's awesome. Julie and I were watching some God stuff last night. I love it. And now we have people sitting at home, eating their Wheaties, sitting in their pajamas, not going to church because they've struggled with relational values. They've encountered people in church, basically. And they may have come to church for a while, but now something, some breach in their life, and they may be damaged, and there may be good reason for that. But somehow, with this time that we live in, People are thinking that they can sit at home and do church and watch church at home. I watch a lot of programs, but it's not church. It's not church, people. In fact, the Bible says, let us hold fast. Uh, Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up, consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking and the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I see the day approaching. There's so much nonsense, so much end times signs out there. I was watching one man of God, he teaches on the end times, and he says five, year, five years ago, he had a graph, he said five years ago we had all these prophetic um, scenarios and events that should come to pass. He said they're all actually come to pass, and, and, and he takes you down this gra graph, 
and the le less and less prophetic words that are coming down the pike that, that determine when Jesus come coming back. And they started out here, and he's showing me this graph. It's only in the last five years, and it's down to here, guys. And he's saying, Jesus is coming back shortly. And the Bible says there that if we see the day approaching, we should be at church and in God, walking with God even more so. Guys, we need to celebrate church again. I love that this morning. There was a sense of elation, celebration. We had audience participation, which is awesome. Rather than, and that's okay, we can deal with that, but we'd like people to be animated, hands held, and being with a bit of expression, countenance, wrestling over your soul life, saying, I'm going to put on a smile. You know this, this guys. One of the great messages of Phil Pringle in the 80s was, guys, in the 80s, this was the 80s. This was the start of the contemporary church, Joshua. And Phil Pringle, our boss of the modern contemporary church, before Hillsong, there was Phil Pringle, by the way. All right. So he said, this is one of his major messages. We need, this is 1985. He says, we need the Spirit-filled church. We need, if we're really baptized in the Holy Ghost and have got all this great salvation, we need to learn how to smile. Put a smile on your dial. And so people were literally challenged with this. I, I'm not a smiler. I don't smile. I contemplate a lot and I think and, and, and I even run into people with that thinking face and, and you know, and, and, uh, and, and when I'm angry and I walk around angry and, 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 and when I'm struggling, I walk around struggling and, no, no Phil's saying, please, can, we, can, we, can't, can you come through the doors at least? Can't control what you do at home. Can you come through the doors with, can you, a couple of matchsticks will be supplied. <laughs> Somehow, and, and, and can you put a countenance that you're doing well? Because the world's not going to believe what we got. We need to love and celebrate the church. Can I give a hand clap to that? A good doctor will keep you out of hospital. A good lawyer will keep you out of jail. And a good church will keep you out of hell. Amen? Is that clear enough? Give the Lord a hand clap. I'm not going to let you be silent. It's important how critical it is. We're not living in an area, by the way, where there's no church. There's no, we, you know, we, we got, man, we're blessed. We got a great worship team. We got a great kids ministry. We've got a great house of God. It's a building. We own it. And um, praise God. And, and we're not struggling like they are in some uh, far distant land where you can't meet. China, you know, you can't meet. You've got to be registered and there's a police state. We can come freely and party for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Come on. Who's coming to my house for a party? That's what we say every Sunday, every night. Man, the birds are chirping. You know, it's, it's awesome here. Jesus shows us the power of transfer, transformation. Sorry. When you fast, you, sometimes you have a glitch. You, you know, you're watching and everything gets out of sync. I was watching a God uh, YouTube and somehow the preacher, his vocabulary, his diction got out of out of sorts with his body moving. 
I just had to stop watching it and listen to him. So if, if there's a glitch there, it's okay. You're not, you're not spacing out. It, it's just me. Jesus shows us the power of transformation in the church when he makes the connection, going back to that original scripture I read, with the connection with church and the transformation in Simon Peter. Jesus calls him Simon, remember? Do you remember the scripture I read? But suddenly Simon gets a revelation, boom, you're the son, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus calls him Peter, is that right? Simon, gets, get, get this, I'm going to move through quickly, sorry, because if I don't move to get to the end, which is not in far distant future, um, I could end up being like that marathon runner. And, and someone's going to have to <laughs> carry me over the line. Maybe, Evan, can you do that? If you see me struggling around the last corner to the home straight, you will, you, you will dignify me, your father-in-law. <laughs> Simon means weak like sand, and Peter means strong like a rock. So that experience, bang, changes you. And that's the power the church has through the, the gospel to transform your life when you come to church. The weak becomes strong. The sand becomes rock solid when you get into church. Is that right, Jules? It can and it will provide transformational power. That's what it does. You need it. I need it. Your family need it. We need it. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. The new creation has come. The old has, the old, the old has gone. The new has come. We're new versions of the old self. And Paul lists in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm not going to mention these horrible things because it's going to spoil my message. But Paul lists the whole catalog of sin. They were drunkards. They were, ah, it's terrible. But then says in verse 11, and that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the Spirit, say the Spirit of God, you were changed. Because you came to church, you got saved, you got baptized, you're not who you used to be. Amen? A church is not a building. It can have a church steeple, it can have a cross on it, it can have pews on it. But unless that church is transforming people, unless people are coming in with their baggage, with their broken life, and they're walking out with at least some optimism that they can re-engage life with a sense of optimism and faith, hope and love, it's not a church. It ain't a church. If people are not changing from a sinful life to a sanctified life, from divorce to a happy marriage, from sickness to death, sadness to joy, it's not a church. should have a transformational atmosphere. Can you feel that? Man, I think miracles are possible this morning, Jules. It should have a transformational atmosphere where all things are possible through Christ who strengthens us. There's hope for your marriage. There's hope for your health. There's hope for the addicted. There's hope for the broken. There's hope for these people that come and listen to the message of the gospel, and, and then they yield to the atmosphere of the power of God, they can change these C3 Cares people that are coming for meals that a lot of them really are broken up and they're drained, they're, 
spent, they're wasted. And they come, and we give them three minutes, no longer, three, four minutes, Frank, because they can't take any longer. See, they, we don't understand the revelation we have. We just got to say one thing. Jesus loves you. <gasps> no one's ever told me that. What do you mean Jesus loves me? Well, Jesus loves you. The Bible tells you so. Oh, my goodness. Just that is, is, is a struggle to contemplate. Here's what I found in church. It pardons me from my past. It's power for my present. It promises me a future. That's why I attend. Even if I wasn't the pastor, Doug, I would attend church. And we did every Sunday. We drove by our old church that we attended for nine years, CLC. Tim and Louise Phillips were attending there. Frank was there. Big church in its day. Now it's the Impact Center. From 1986, I think it was, to 1994, we attended every Sunday, twice on a Sunday, from Wyong to Erina. Three kids in the back then, because Gemma wasn't born, Andrew. We'd just go back to church, man. Every time those doors were open, we'd go back to church. And this was, this was the repetitive um, call at the end of the church service when everyone had left. Come on, you old fields, you're always the last in the house. Come on, I've got to lock up here. And that was, the, that was the deacon or the guy that was locking up the place. But what was Julie and Phil doing? Even before they were a connect group leader or before we were pastors especially, we were ministering to people that were in, had it visited, or church family that were struggling, we were there ministering to them. Do you know what? That became, I believe, our qualification to become a minister. Not my Bible college credentials I got in 1990. Forget that. Out of 17, 17 students, I'm the only one in ministry. And they did far better than me in Bible college, trust me. But because I kept intimate with God, because I kept it real, I didn't have selfish ambition. I didn't want to be a pastor because, oh, look at me, look at... No, I just wanted to help people. I just wanted to minister to people. And I loved to see transformation in someone. I loved when I talked to someone that I could see the, the, the lights go on and the pennies drop. Who likes that when you're talking to them, when you're telling them a great story, when you're telling them some information? It can go awry with gossip. Guess what? Guess what? Don't you love it? The ladies love it. Sorry, the guys do too now. The guys do too. Guess what? Guess what? But actually, the sanctified one is, guess what? What? Jesus loves you. Oh, is that all? Love it. I'd be here if I wasn't the pastor. All right, Genesis 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet. Yeah, you heard it. I didn't say helpmate. It's the King James Version. I said help, help meet. I didn't say helpmate. I said help meet. It's not a misprint. Help meet. 
Do you know that help meet means in the original language, I said help meet. Did we get that? Help meet. Just because there's mindsets. We, no, that's help mate. I'm looking for my help. No, hang on. Let me change that. Do you know what help meet means in the original language, Rachel? You're not going to believe this. <laughs> God says to Adam, oh, God says to Adam, I'm going to introduce you to your help meet. In the original language, God, basically saying God is going to introduce you to your other self. I'm going to introduce you to your completed self. Eve is a type of the church. The church is there. The church is your help meet. And the church will help you meet every challenge, every challenge of sin, every challenge in your family, including your teenagers. Can I hear an amen? Raising your children. The church helps you meet your challenges, your physical challenges, challenges that we all face. And I tell you this, it's at the church you get introduced to your other self. I was here, but I'm now here. Amen? I was here in the 70s and 83 when I was miraculously saved. I found a new place to live. It's awesome. I found my other self. The world and the devil tell me I'm this and that. But then I was introduced to the better me through the church. Not the addictive me. Not the defeated me. Not the weak me. Not the fearful, depressed me. But the me that I was created to be. And I get introduced to the better me through the church. It's through the church that I find my better self. You're going to help me preach this. Come on. All right. Let's, let's shout this out. I am somebody. I am going somewhere. And I am going to do something big for God. Let's say it again. I am somebody. I am going somewhere. And I am going to do something big for God in Christ Jesus. Same as your children. Mark chapter 4, New King James Version. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Number one, transformation comes through the church. Two, secondly, it comes through the preaching and the power of the cross. And when he said to his disciple, let us cross over... Let us cross over to the other side. Jesus gave revelation. The only way you're going to get over your stuff is through the cross, crossing over. The only way over that stuff that's, that's got you somehow, betrayed you, hurt you, abused you. The only way over that stuff, the only way over the, your addictions, your, your, your selfishness, is by the way of the cross. It's the only way over get out of shame, out of condemnation. Whatever predicament that you're in, 
the only way over. So 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a story of a building program for the sons of the prophets. The prophets needed to enlarge their training center. And the Bible says they were enlarging the place and a man had borrowed an axe and they were chopping down trees. I love this story. It's awesome. The axe, as he's cutting the tree down, pulling it back, the axe became loose. And as he went forward, it flung out and landed in the middle of the drink, in the middle of the Jordan, in the middle of the raging river of the Jordan. We've been there too, haven't we, darling? But it's not raging waters anymore. It's just a little trick. Anyway, and so the axe head, metal, guys, help me, iron axe head, flies out into the middle, and he loses this axe head. Became loose. This is the real truth I want to give you this morning. Before the axe head ever got loose, it first, it... (laughs) Before the axe head ever got lost, it got loosed. You know where I'm going with this. Once in a while, you need to ask yourself, what's getting loose in your life? Am I getting loose in my attendance in church? Am I getting loose in reading the Bible, in praying, in giving? Am I getting loose on my convictions, my personal convictions? Am I getting loose on that? Because I tell you, as soon as you start getting loose, you will end up losing completely something and you will find yourself lost. Amen? When things get loose in areas of your life. Now watch this. Alas, the man said it was borrowed. And the prophet said, where did it fall? The prophet, I love it. Oh, it's about around there, about 10 feet out. It landed there, I know it did. It's in about that area. The Bible says the prophet chopped down a branch of the tree. Watch this. He takes down a part, a branch of tree that represents the tree where Jesus represents the tree, not the tree, but the tree that Jesus was crucified on, shed his blood on. The prophet then throws the branch into the proximity of that, where that loss happened. And then suddenly, watch this now. It's amazing when you get into the atmosphere of the Spirit of God, what can happen. I believe things like this can happen when you get into church. When he threw that twig in, into the proximity where he'd lost that thing, all of a sudden... The axe head that by nature found the deepest part of the mud, the muck, and the mire, all of a sudden, that axe head began to, the Bible says, King James Version, began began to swim. The turtles go, man, what are you doing? Where are you going? Your nature is to sink to the very bottom of of the muck and grime. The muck and mire, well, where? I'm going up. I'm going up to higher places. I'm going up. And the axe head came up. And then the man of God who lost the axe head, the prophet said to him, reach out. Grab it. Grab it. So he did. He grabbed the axe head, retrieved it. And do you know what? I've got to quote that scripture. And the iron did swim. This is the King James Version. It's almost the original version, King James. And the, it says that in 2 Kings 
chapter 6, five, 5, 7, it says, And the iron did swim. Tony, have you seen iron swim? Have you seen iron swim like that? That's what God can do. I believe that the Bible is true. We used to be a sinker, but now we're a swimmer. We used to be a sinker, but now we are a swimmer. It was our nature to find the dregs of life, to find the dregs of living, to plummet down. But when that cross of Calvary is preached, the gospel is preached, it's then when you start coming into your right mind and go, hang on. I'm better than this. I'm crawling my way back up. I'm coming back up. I'm destined for higher ground. Arise and shine for the glory of the Lord rises upon you. The gospel of Christ is here. You're not going to just. I had a photo of four men and they, I don't know if you've got it. One was crouched over and one was a little bit better. One was a little bit better. And then it was literally, he was walking walking soundly yes i love that i found that on the internet myself and i thought he's dripping with water this is exactly what i'm talking about the enemy would love to just push you down push you down from worship push you down from living your best life it's the oppression it's the stuff of life pushing you down that's why jonathan got a haircut to represent a new day of not being pushed down he said no, and his wife's going, I love your long hair. It represents Samson, and Samson was awesome. And what happens if you do cut your hair, Jonathan? You're going to lose your strength. But Bree didn't know that Jonathan had found salvation through Christ, and he was a swimmer, and he wasn't dependent on his long hair now anymore because Jonathan may have been living in the Old Testament, and saying, I need this long hair. I'm a Nazarite. I can, no t unclean thing can touch my lips. And, and they say, oh my God, Pastor Phil's right. I'm saved. I don't live by those standards any longer. I can get my hair cut. I've always wanted to look like Pastor Phil. <laughs> and so there's Jonathan. I, I dedicate that painting to Jonathan. Striding this magnificent creature of creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Oh, that's it. There's Jonathan right there. I'm glad that leg is crossed over in, in the right place there. There's an old hymn. Maybe, maybe someone would know it here. Far from the peaceful shore. It was, it's called, uh, I was sinking deep in sin. Far from peaceful shore. Far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Amen. All my heart to him I give. Ever to him I cling. In his blessed presence I live, ever his praise I sing. Love so mighty and so true merits my soul's best songs. Faithful, loving service to him belongs. Souls in danger, look above. 
Jesus completely saves. He will lift you up in his love. Out of the angry waves, he's the master of the sea. Billows his will, obey. He's your savior, wants to be. Be saved today. It lifted me up from the depravity of my soul. It lifted me. It transformed me. The, the, the word of God and the gospel of Christ lifted me up. That resurrection power when that twig was thrown in my direction. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm throwing twigs. I'm throwing the gospel. I'm throwing the cross of Christ to you right now so that you can come up and be that magnificent creature in Christ. Amen. I'm throwing the gospel. I'm throwing. Where did you lose it? Where did you lose it? For it? I was back there. The terrible people that spoke. Get your, get your, your self worth back, your dignity back, because here you were shamed, because here you were condemned, because here you were down into the muck of people saying stuff and doing stuff and abusing you. Where was it, friend? Where? And, and you, you, just, you just speak one sentence of the gospel and you throw that. Where did you lose it? Right there. It landed there. It happened there. I know the date, the time when it happened. Right. Let's get the gospel into that. Let's get the gospel. Let's throw the cross of Calvary in that vicinity, in that proximity of where you got hurt. And when it lands in that place, resurrection power, the same resurrection power that came upon Jesus to arise him from the grave will come upon you. Every single day we have opportunity. Can I have that photo? I'm done. Father in heaven. 21 days today. 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's my job to lead the flock, the people of God, by example. Amen. It's my job to attune myself to heaven, hear from heaven, and lead you, precious people, to into your best life, to not let you reside in the murky depths of life. That axe head was coming up, swimming. The, the grime and the muck was coming off him. He was, man, I'm better than this. I'm coming up into my master's hand. I'm, I'm, the turtles go, what are you doing? The fish are going, Check this crazy cat. His nature is to sink to the bottom. He's opposing his very nature. Your nature is not to live like that in the, in the muck and mire of life. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Come on. Man, you got to get up, come up, arise and shine. Let's all stand. God bless you. Father in heaven, we stand before you. We're coming up. We're the head, not the tail. Woo! Who's loving this? I'm not a sinker. I have destiny. Church can lift you up. The cross can set you free. Father in heaven, I've been saved. God's raised me up with Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. Close your eyes, lift your gaze to heaven. Father in heaven, I want resurrection power to come upon me. 
I want the resurrection power to come upon me right now, Lord God, to release me from the muck and mire of life, old mindsets, debilitating thoughts, constraints that have held me down and under the waters of life. I'm coming up, dear God. I'm a swimmer, not a sinker. Lord Jesus, I receive your resurrection power to my life, to my soul. Lord, I see things getting loose in my life, my church attendance, my Bible reading, my prayer, my giving unto the Lord. It's getting loose. I feel like I'm going to lose it right now. Assert yourself and say, no, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to tighten things up. I'm going to resolve some things. I'm going to get rid of tardiness. I'm going to turn up at church on on time because the musicians are here from 8 o'clock in the morning, tuning up, practicing, getting ready for a 9.30 start. But Lord, I'm coming in when I want. That's tardiness. That's getting loose. I'm going to come on time, Lord God. I'm going to dress appropriately in my right mind, right heart. I'm going to put a countenance of faith on. <laughs> Dear God, I'm even going to, I'm going to even wear that countenance while I'm driving. Maybe freak some people out because I'm smiling. But Lord, right now, right now, God, I need you, God. I need salvation. Let resurrection power enter my body. Save my soul. Let's pray this prayer. Father God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for the transformational power that's in the gospel, that's in the church. Lord, Lord God, help me understand the importance of your church in this day and age when everything is up for grabs. Help me understand the importance in this generation. Help me understand it's more important than Netflix, more important than all the things of this world, more important than a house, a car, a beautiful thing, money. Lord, you are more important than anything. Lord, let me understand it's through that perfect sacrificial price of the cross. Now, here it is. Forgive me of all my sin, Lord God. Forgive me of all my looseness, how I talk, how I resemble you in the workplace, how I represent you wherever I go. Let people know. Someone was saying to me, anyway, high-end business people, and they, they, they weren't ethical. And this person was saying to me, my God, they're telling me stuff that's not true. They look great on the outside. They're doing, saying all the right things, but they're not ethical. No, we don't. We we want to be true, and we want to be true blue. There's a. There, can I have that hat, Brad? I need to say it with the hat. I need to say it with the hat. Guys, I want a photo too. I want a photo. I'm telling you, in 2019, is that all right? Am I wearing that right? Forward. Julie knows how to. We've been to Tamworth, don't we? We played at Tamworth too. Got some stories there to tell of, of people not being nice. Because I thought the country music scene was they're so nice. 
oh my God, I ran into the mafia called the country music business. They said that we had a nine-piece band and they said to Julie, you're awesome. You can sing so well. But who are these other guys? We can get those guys anywhere, any town, any state. We can get, the, you need to get rid of those guys. Julie says, hang on, one of them's my husband. No, we don't need him. He can be at home looking after the kids. That's what they said to Julie at Tamworth. Is that, am I rocking that now, Joshua? I don't want to, don't want to, huh? He does it. Now listen, okay, we want to be true blue for Jesus. True blue. How's that song going? True blue. Come on, Bradley, he knows it. Do you know, buddy? Father, we want to be true blue in experiencing you. We want to be true blue in being transformed. We want to be true blue with our family by belonging, really belonging. Holding, hanging tough, traveling with each other, praying for each other, exhorting each other, being mindful of each other. Dear God, we give you this sermon as a prayer to you. Lord, we want to celebrate church. We want to celebrate church. Is that, is that better? Sound like that? That's how you, if I had a church, this is what I'd do in Tamworth. If I had a church, C3 Tamworth, Tamworth's going ahead, guys. We need, we need some good, good, good people. Darcy, he, he'll join me out there. He, he's up for it. Because I know this, if we can get the transformational power of God into, into a church in Tamworth, people will come into that church. I don't care who, how famous they are, who they are, what farmer, what farmer it is. If they come into proximity of the presence and the power of the transformational power of God, they will be transformed. Where's that photo? Show me that photo again. I need that photo of those guys. Struggling. Struggling. Slowly hearing the gospel. Slowly coming up. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Water of life. Let's lift our hands just for a moment. We're done. Forgive me, Lord God, that I've negated, that I've treated your presence with familiarity. Forgive me, Lord God, if I've treated the house of God with familiarity. Forgive me if I've been a consumer, not a contributor. Can I have the 21-day now thing, please? This is my prayer for us. Today I am praying for opportunities to serve the Lord. This is the last prayer of the ACC 21-day prayer. It goes like this. Today, I'm praying for opportunities to serve the Lord and to lead people to Jesus. Father, Lord, I want to be able to smile. Just say that. Lord, help me smile. Help me have a countenance of glory, of your presence. Jesus. Even when I'm wearing my, my hat, I want to be able to show your glory. Even when I've got my work clothes on, I want to be able to show your glory to my friends and family. And that's it. Let's lift that up. It's happening. Something's happening. Something's happening. Thanks, guys. Let it wash over you for two minutes, please. Something's happening. I feel transformational power. 
Transformational power is changing me on the inside and out. It's no, no longer I that liveth, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live by faith in the Son of God, who purchased my life by His blood, by the cross of Calvary, through the transformational power of God's Word, I am changed. I am set free. I am a swimmer, not a sinker. I shall live and not die. I am the head, not the tail. I am coming up and out in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3telgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.